If you've got your Bible, grab it. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read a story that Jesus told uh, in Luke chapter 16, and we're going to read uh, from verse 1, and we'll probably read right through to verse 14, but we'll see. I might cut it short, um, and we'll go from there. Is that all right? I'm going to read it on the screen, and that's partly because my analog Bible that I've got here has got red letters, which is impossible to read uh, under these lights. It says this, uh, Jesus told this story to his disciples. That's the people who chose to follow him, the people who hung around him. Do you know what I reckon is awesome about following Jesus? It's not like Scientology. Scientology is really hard. Uh, in Scientology, you have to pay a lot of money. You go to courses, and then you pay more money to go to the next course, and pay more money to go to the next course, and then pay more money to the ne- go to the next course. And then in the meantime, they hook you up with better deals and stuff like that in your job, right? Uh, do you know, uh, there's other religions that are really hard. Um, there's um, there's um, looking in, I've not, I've not really experienced other religions, but uh, looking in, so a lot of them look really hard, you know, praying five times a day, um, eating certain, certain types of food. Like some, some religions require you to be vegetarian. Uh, how many people know that that would be a challenge? For some of us who grew up in New Zealand, that would be a challenge. Uh, other religions that, that require you to not drink, um, just brace yourself, you might not have heard this, but not drink coffee. Yeah, I know, Jono, I thought that was shock you, Jono. And, uh, and, and see, that's hard, but Jesus doesn't require these things of us. And he didn't require a whole lot of his disciples to begin with. He didn't say you have to do all of this stuff and then you can start. He just said, hey, follow me. And then it became this journey. Now, a whole lot of them went on and died for Jesus. When how that him know that's a big deal, right? But he didn't say, he didn't come up to them and say, die for me. Like, that wasn't the start. He said, hey, come on and build a relationship. Just like Laura was saying, build a connection with me. And it's not about all the stuff you can do. It's just begin to follow me, right? So he's telling the story to his disciples. And what he's trying to teach them is pretty, pretty powerful, right? The series we're talking about through Money May, we're talking about money, partly, big reason we talk about money a lot in church is because Jesus talked about money a lot. Why did Jesus talk about money a lot? Did Jesus care about money? He actually didn't care about money. If you look at what Jesus taught about money, it proves he didn't care about money. He really cares about people's hearts. That's why he talked about money a lot, because money was connected with people's hearts, right? If you if you were good friends with Putty, with Putty, I said it like, it sounded very Australian, Putty. If you're... Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you were good friends with my friend Robert, and uh, it's actually, bro, it's actually your name. Come on, but Jesus changed your name. Yeah, he, he, he called you Bartholomew. Anyhow, if you're good friends with Putty, how many of you know you're going to have to talk about food a lot? You're going to have to talk about food. You're going to have to talk about rugby league if you want to be friends with Putty, because these are things that are connected to his hard, right? And that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is trying to connect with us and help us understand things. That's why he's talking about money, right? So a lot of people, when we talk about money in church, they're like, well, they just want our money, right? Let me, let me say it to you straight. I do want your money because we've got to pay for the hire of the building, right? We do want some of your money, right? To make this happen, we want money, right? Uh, but we don't want all your money, right? But we do want to speak to the heart issues that are controlling your life, and we actually can't do it without talking about money. So tell us the story. This is what the story is. Brace yourself, because this is a crazy story. There was a certain rich man, like big-time businessman, think property developer. He's got, he's got property here. He's got operations here. He's got food produce there. He's got land there. And he's got, he's got a manager who's handling all of his affairs, right? 
So he's got like this, he's got this, this number two, right, who's doing all the business. And it says this, one day a report came to them that the manager was wasting the employer's money, right? How many know that the employer is going to get upset? So the employer called him in and he said this, what's this I hear about you? Now, this is not proper HR practice, right? But this is how they do it in the ancient world. He says, get your report in order because you're going to get fired. The manager thought to himself, uh, what now? Man, what am I going to do? My boss has got me fired, right? My boss is going to fire me, or his boss has fired me, and I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg, right? So he's got no future employment prospects, and he comes up with a plan. I know. I'm going to ensure that I've got plenty of friends. Everyone understand this? You need friends. I'm going to ensure that I've got plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. Right? This guy's smart. This is what he does. He invites each person who owes the master money, right? This guy's a big rich guy. He's got business happening all over the place. It would have been heaps and heaps of different people who owed him money, right? Look, this is what it does. The first guy, he says, how much do you owe the master, right? How much do you owe the business dude? How much do you owe him? Psst. The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. Alistair, you here? You've got to do the math for me, right? 800 gallons, 800 times three and a half. 2,400 liters. 2,400, I can do this one, 2,400 times 10 $24,000 of olive oil if you're buying $10 olive oil per liter, right? Right? So that's just the Pam's olive oil at $10 a liter, okay? If you want some really nice stuff, you're going to have to pay more like $13, $14, sometimes $20 a liter, right? Uh, he says, so $24,000 olive oil. So the manager says, take the bill and basically cut it in half, right? So if someone says, yeah, you're like, man, you're the man. Yeah, I'll pay half, right? And then, and the next guy, he says, same sort of thing, right? Verse 7, he says, he says to the next guy, uh, how much you owe him? The guy says, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, right? So big bunches of wheat. And he says, here, take the bill, change it to 800, right? So he goes through the whole list of creditors, and he cuts all their bills in half, right? So that he's got, now he's got all these other business people who are going to be his mates because he's been fired, right? And then the rich man's like, oh, man, like the, you can imagine this would make the rich man. He was already angry, right? Now he's going to be furious. But because he's a rich man, he's like, he's all about money. and he also, He's all about how it works. He's just like, wow, I've, he's got to, he has to admire the dishonest rascal. How many of you love the Bible that it says things like that? Like the Bible is a big time serious book, but it's still got time to put the word rascal in there, right? You dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Everyone say shrewd. Shrewd means, shrewd means you know how it works. Shrewd means you know, you know all the angles and you can work them. Shrewd means you can position yourself in a system for your benefit. Shrewd means you understand that it is a system. Shrewd means you know, okay, I know how this works and I can make it work for me. That's what shrewd means. And then Jesus said this, it's true. Everyone say it's true. The children of this world are more shrewd in the dealing in, the, in dealing with the world around them and the, then the children of light. The children of this world are more shrewd than the children of light. Here's the lesson. and Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, 
they, who's they? They are the friends you've made, right? They will welcome you to an eternal home. Full stop. Oh, we're going to stop the reading there. There's a little bit more you can read, and it's worth reading the whole thing. Okay. Now, salted caramel bothers me. It really bothers me. Now, I don't, how many people know? How many people know? You can you look at me, right? I don't mind a bit of sweet stuff, right? So salted caramel, right? Salted caramel really bothers me. I don't mind eating salted caramel. Like I particularly like like a salted caramel sauce, warm, with vanilla ice cream, just like that. How many people, that, that, that is real food, right? You can take your vegetables and all this stuff, right? But salted caramel sauce on ice cream, that, that's going to work how many times? That's going to work every time, right? That's going to work all of the times you do it, right? Uh, you know, you could do it wrong and it would still be right. Right Now, so salted caramel doesn't bother me because of the taste, right? It bothers me for another reason. It bothers me, right? Because seriously, a year and a half ago, who'd heard of salted caramel? Right? Where did, where, what the heck happened? Right? So one day I'm walking down the street and I, and I, and, and I no, I'm not. I'm watching something stupid on the TV. So I'm watching the MasterChef or something like that, right? And there's some mad first, mad person there having salted caramel such and such. And they're all a MasterChef. On MasterChef, they're all talking about the salted caramel like they know what it is. Right? And there's, across New Zealand, 100,000 homes, people are like, salted, what? Two weeks later, Two weeks later, you can get salted caramel tip-top. You can get salted caramel trumpet. You can get a salted caramel sauce. You can get salted caramel biscuits. You can get salted caramel broccoli. You can get salted caramel anything. You can get salted caramel cat food. You can get salted caramel carpet scent. You can get salted caramel deodorant. You can get a salted caramel shampoo. You can get a salted caramel petrol at the petrol station. And in two weeks' time, salted caramel takes over the world. It bothers me. It really, really bothers me. Because, see, there's a system. It's a system. It's a, it's a system. Oh, no, Jordan, it's just random. No, it's not random. Salted caramel took over the world. It took over the world in two weeks. It moved quicker than Marxism. It took over the world, right? And two is cronuts. They bother me. Cronuts bother me. Who ever heard of a cronut? And now, we, now they're everywhere, right? And you can buy a cronut from New World down the road there. You can buy a cronut big enough to give you a heart attack in two bites. Like, it's a cronut like that big. Seriously, I've had a couple of them over my time. It's like, hey, I'm telling you, hey, anybody? No? See, now you, now you have to know. Because we're all part of the system. Just systematized your mind to predispose it to a deep fried typey thing with custard. And it's the custard probably that does it. Uh, really, that's the custard that pushes it over the edge. And also, deep fried thing with custard in it. Uh, it could be a tire and we'd all be eating it, right? Uh, here's the problem with salted caramel. Here's the problem it's a system. And you think it's random. You live in a system. You were born into a system, you were educated in a system, you were brought up in a family that was run by systems, and you just think it's normal. You just think this is how it works. 
I want to tell you the fact of the matter is that the, your, your perceptions of reality are not reality. Your perceptions of what's true are not true. Your perceptions are built within the system in which you were born and which you grew up. That's what this story is about. You are not shrewd enough. You keep thinking, well, if I work the system, it'll work for me. You've got to be smart enough to understand the system is going to eat you up. The system is going to fire you. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you took the red pill. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to the system. As soon as you say no to the system, the system is trying to hunt you out and get rid of you. I can't think of the X word uh, that goes with it, right? The system is trying to get rid of you because you are a bug in the system. Because you've said, no, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. When you say yes to Jesus, you begin a journey where Jesus replaces all of your friends in terms of how you feel about yourself. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, Jesus replaces your family as the ultimate authority in your life. That's why the family system gets a little tense when you're trying to follow Jesus. Because you've said yes to Jesus. Do you know what you've said no to? You've said no, owning my own house with a white picket fence, that won't tell me that I'm successful What will tell me I'm successful is just this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you know, you can die with no assets. You can die without children. You can die without a career. You can die without all of the right clothes. You can die without all of the right friends. You can die without any Facebook friends. You can die without any likes on Instagram, the very best Instagram profile I've seen. No one. So every time that person double-clicks a photo, someone gets a message that says, no one likes your photo. (laughs) Come on. When we say yes to Jesus, we're unplugging from the system. Now, what do you need to do before you go to bed tonight? What I want you to do. What I want you to do. How many people got the Bible app on their phone? Right, so just want you, uh, particularly if it's a dark and stormy night, this would be awesome, right? Uh, If it's a dark and stormy night, you put your headphones in. You get your Bible app on, and just as you're going to sleep, just listen to the book of Revelation. Right? And trust me, you will have dreams that, that you've never had before. Right? There'll be, there'll be, there'll be riders on horseback. Uh, there'll be dragons. The, the dragon swallows up a third of the sea at one point and spews it out. There'll be a woman and a baby and a dragon chasing the baby trying to eat the woman. And it's, it's going to be a lake fire, and it's going to be amazing. The, the, the sky will roll up like a scroll. And there'll be pillars of fire and smoke. It's going to be, you'll be like awesome. There'll be angels bowing down in a sea of glass. It, you, it'll be awesome. Right? Right? Here's the, what's the book of Revelation about? Do you know what? The book of Revelation isn't about the end times. You, there's no predictions in there. None. Anyone who goes, well, this means that, and this means that, and this means that, then you go back in the Bible to the bits where Jesus just said things like, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's focus on the bits we can understand. Right? Well, the book of Revelation is a, is a, is a revelation that a person had, John had, and he was looking at this thing called the Roman Empire, and he's saying, this dragon is going to try and eat us, but we're going to overcome because we're not part of the dragon system. How did John know he wasn't part of the dragon system? Because he would have been a moment in John's life where he was brought before a large assembly, and he was asked to swear allegiance to Caesar. 
you know how you swear allegiance to Caesar in the Roman Empire? This is what you do. You go to a bust of Caesar. That's like a, you know, that little statue, just the shoulders, shoulders and head of Caesar, There'd be a, 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 which is basically a picture of Caesar. And you would be asked to say these words, Caesar is Lord. The actual words, Caesar is Lord. Do you know how many times in the Bible, in the New Testament, it says these words, Jesus is Lord? Do you know what? Every time a Christian said, Jesus is Lord, it was more than praise. When we say Jesus is Lord, half the time we're thinking, Jesus, Jesus is a really great guy. Jesus is big. You know, people even say that about God. Hey, you know, put in a, because I'm a pastor, people say stupid things to me. Not everybody, right? Uh, and some people say stupid things to me, not because I'm a pastor. They say stupid things to me because they're stupid, Right? <laughs> Uh, but sometimes people say this to me, oh, you're a, you're a, you're a padre, uh, put in a word, put in a good word for me with the big guy. I'm like, well, if you can talk to the big guy yourself one day, and I bet you won't be talking to him like that. Well, hey, big guy, poof, that will be a totally different sort of thing, right? I'll put in a word for the big guy. He's not the big guy. He's Lord. He's Lord, which means he's the supreme authority. He's the ultimate reality. He's the truth from which we derive all of our understandings is from Jesus. Jesus is Lord. But when New Testament Christians said Jesus is Lord, they were saying something else at the time. They were saying Caesar is not Lord. They they weren't just saying Jesus is Lord. They were directly addressing the system in which they operated in, the system in which they were built in, the system in which they were born in, the system that they were plugged into. And they were saying, we've taken the blue pill, someone's unplugged us, and we're still within the system, but we're not plugged into it. We still operate within it, but we're separated from it. We've got a different authority. We've got a different objective. We're not serving the system. We're serving a God who's above it all. Come on, today we're talking about mastering money. The first thing we've got to understand is who is the master? It's not money. We're not here to serve the dragon. We're not here to tolerate the woman, on the, the Babylon woman. We're not here to give our life to trying to fit into the crowd. And you know, we're not, trying to, we're not here to try and give our life to not fitting in with that crowd so we can fit in with this crowd. You know, all the people who, oh, we're not here to, f- to fit in, and then they all fit into the, we're not here to fit in group. You know those people? We are alternative. You're, you are all together. You're all together alternative because you all all together are not alternative. All together, you're the same. Oh, we're all alternative. That's why we all dress the same as each other. We're all alternative. That's why we drink the same coffee. We're all alternative. That's why we wear the same shoes. Not literally the same shoes. You shouldn't share shoes. You get funny things growing on your feet. Who's this shrewd manager, this manager guy? What does he do? He unplugs from the system. I'm going to use this. In the Matrix, what do they do? They go back into the system and they use the system to defeat the system. Because they understand it, because they're shrewd. Come on, what's the money that you've got in your bank account right now? What's it for? Is that money in the bank account you've got right now, is that to make you secure now? Is that to make you feel good? Uh, is that to, are you saving up for the right shoes so that we, you can wear them to church and impress people? Or, or, or wear them to the nightclub might be more effective to impress people there. Impressing people at church with shoes is not that, not that effective, right? Hook up limit, limit, limitation on hookups here. 
right? <laughs> Come on, because if you're doing that, you're, you're just a sucker. You're just a stupid. You're just stupid. This shrewd manager was smart because instead of just once, as soon as the boss said, hey, you're fired, he's like, man, I've got this, this system I'm in now has got nothing for me. I'm going to destroy this system in an effort to position myself for the next space that I'm in. Jesus said it like this. He said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. So we operate within the world. So you still need money. You still need a house, right? Anybody need a house? You need a house, right? And you can still save up. You can pay your house off so that your children can have a house each, right? So there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because what are you doing? You're working the system for your kids, right? But you're not working the system, and the system's not working you. You're working the system. Oh, but I've got to, I've got to do well in university so that I can get a good job. That's awesome as long as you're working the system. As long as you're in charge of the job you get, as long as you're in charge of the focus of your life, as long as you're in charge of the future direction of your life, because as soon as you're not, as soon as you're stupid, you get locked into the system. My, my, my cousin studied law. She was brilliant. But it nearly destroyed her the first two years out of law school in a big firm. She worked for two years and had to have a year off to recover because she literally worked for two years. But now she's a partner in the same law firm because she figured out how to work the system rather than be worked over by the system. Come on, you understand how your family works. It's a system. Work it. What for? Well, to make friends. We're friends in heaven. Understand how your culture works. Don't get worked over by your culture. And you say, I'm not talking about brown or white. I'm talking about your culture, my culture. I've got to understand how my culture works. So that I don't get worked over by my culture. So that, I'm, so that money's not making decisions for me. The system's not making decisions for me. I'm making decisions in the system to break the system so that I've got friends when I get to heaven. How many friends you got in heaven? How many people are going to be waiting in heaven for you? And they're going to say something like, man, so glad you came on this mission trip, that mission trip to the Philippines and shared the gospel. How many friends are going to say, oh, I'm so glad you served at Red Frogs. You gave me a drink, and I thought, man, I've got to stop living like this. I'm so glad you went on the mission trip to the Gold Coast, and you walked me home and kept me safe. I'm so glad you gave money that, that supported the church plant in the Philippines, that supported the church plant in Zurich. I'm so glad you gave money that supported a church plant in Porirua so that, so that me and my family could get saved. I'm so glad you looked over the fence and you invited me to church. I'm so glad you invited me along to that touch rugby game and it was just a trick to get me into church. I'm so glad you invited me. I'm so glad you told me about Jesus because you, you've got to work the system. Oh, but, but, but if I say stuff like that, people are going to think I'm this. Well, yeah, they're called they are. But you don't care because you're not controlled by the system. Uh, if I spend my money on stuff, if I spend my money on a mission trip, how will I pay my university fees? Well, you could, if God's telling you to go on a mission trip, He could figure that out for you. Oh, but that's irresponsible. No, do you know what's really irresponsible? Is to plan your life in such a way that God can't do miracles. That would be irresponsible. Right? This is what I didn't say. I didn't say get a cheap loan. I didn't say get a big interest loan to go on a mission trip. I didn't say that. I said have faith, right? Because we're here to break the system. We're not here to be broken by the system. Do you know, I live in Karori. Some of the richest people in Wellington live in Karori. Not actually my street. <laughs> sort of, there's 
it's quite a big suburb. Uh, and and we, we live, I think, in the nicest part of Karori. Um, not so many rich people. <laughs> uh, but there are some others, but, you know, there's some rich, rich people. But, you know, I, but right across the city, in every suburb, in every different rich, 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 rich middle, 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 poor, at, at every different level, there are people who are breaking the system and living powerfully. And there are people being broken by the system. Do you know, there's people who earn a million dollars a year who get broken by the system. And there's people who earn a hundred dollars a week who are living the life. They're, living, they're being who God's called them to be. They're, they're, they're living above the pressures of money. They're living with a focus on the future. They've got vision and they're believing, right? Not because it's not about money. It's about whether you've unplugged, whether you've said, no, I'm not going to let the dragon scare me anymore. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to be frightened. I'm going to live the life God's called me to do. And I'm going to be the master of the money. I'm going to be the master over the things that God's put in my care. Number one, my point number one. Salted caramel bothers me. Point number two is don't be scared of the dragon. And point number three is stop being an idiot. Is that right? So have you written those down in notebook? I'm just going to check, Emma. That's not how you spell idiot. Come on. The, the, the actual points. It's a, there's a system. There's a system. You control it or it controls you. you you've got it. Who was the famous saint? Peter. What does St. Peter do? Am I thinking, am I, have I got the right saint? Someone help me. He slayed the dragon. Is it Peter? Help me out, someone. George! Great Scott. Good George. It was George. St. George. Do you know, I wonder where that legend came from? St. George and the dragon. I wonder whether he actually slayed a dragon. I reckon he did. I've seen pictures of it. Come on, there's a system. We're here to break the system, not be broken by it. Oh, I've got no money. How many people think that all the time? Oh, I've got no money. Oh, I've got no, I haven't got enough money to go to shout. I haven't got enough money. Do you know, when you think like that, you're thinking within the system. Because you've got all the money you need to do what God's called you to do. You literally have all the money you need to do what God's called you to do. Because uh, God's not stupid. God wouldn't call you to do something and then not give you the resources to do it. I feel like God's called me to feed the world's hungry. Okay, well, you need to start with the resources you've got. Oh, I feel like I feel like God's calling me to to influence education. Okay, what are you going to do today with the resources you've got? Oh, I feel like God's calling me to 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 bring bring revival to my extended family and my culture and my 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 my, my suburb. Well, come on, what are you going to do right now to unplug from the system that's controlling you and preventing you from achieving it? Because there's no point having a dream and God, oh God's going to I'm called to this, I'm called to that. And then just plugging into the system and charging through your life. Go to university, get a job, get a mortgage, pay off the mortgage, retire, and then die. That's stupid. It's really stupid. You can do all of that, but you've got to fly above it as well. And find some friends who are going to meet you in heaven. 
don't just pay off the mortgage. Also support the plan of God, support the mission of God. Don't just pay off a, uh, a paint your white picket fence. Look over your fence and engage with the world around you. Engage with your neighbors. See them set free. See them unplugged. See them come to the knowledge and the saving grace of Christ. Do you know, I, I want to tell you this. I personally think lots of people in their 20s are setting themselves up for a disappointing middle of their life. Because they're just on a treadmill. And it seems exciting because it's all new, but you've got you've to have a bigger view than just what everyone else says. What you were brought up thinking. Come on, you've got to engage with the Word of God. Allow God to speak to you about what you're called to. I believe every single person is called to transform the world in some way, some shape, some form. I, I, I love, I love how, so many movies, so many stories, so many narratives have, have this whole thing of the, cho- the chosen one, you know, so Luke Skywalker and, uh, and then um, Neo. Is it Neo? No. Yeah. You even look like him. <laughs> He's here with us. He's a, there among us. Jesus said this, many are called, but few are chosen. I think of, you know, all the disciples, you know, um, we've got the story of Jesus is walking along the lake and he sees Peter mending nets and he says, come follow me. And Peter begins to follow. And then Peter lives this crazy life. Peter walks on water. Peter sees people risen from the dead. At one point, Peter is walking down the street. Peter's walking down the street like this, and his shadow crosses over sick people, and they start getting healed. Peter does things in his life where people send him handkerchiefs. He prays for the handkerchief, and then they send the handkerchief back to the sick person who sent the handkerchief. They put the handkerchief onto the sick person, and the sick person gets healed. Do you know the church I grew up in? There's this old guy who he relied upon his motorbike to get to work. And his motorbike had broken down during the week. And on Sunday, he walked to church, but he brought a handkerchief. And he got the pastors, he got other, he just got friends at church to pray for his handkerchief. And then he went back to the motorbike. And, and, and the motorbike, um, when a motorbike starts, you, you kickstart it like that. And there's gears that work and it spins, right? Uh, and it fires, right? There's like a, like a coil thing that fires like an electronic spark that then sets the petrol off, right? And that mechanism that spins was broken and it wasn't generating a spark, so it wouldn't fire. So it was an actual problem. He couldn't afford the parts. He would fix it himself, but he couldn't afford the parts. Not a wealthy. The, the town I grew up in Australia, 20%, 22% unemployment. So he takes the handkerchief, Opens up the like the crankcase of the motorbike, if you know how that he takes the car off. He ties the handkerchief around the broken bit of motorbike. He puts the, this guy's a fitter and turner. He knows about motors and stuff. He puts the cover back on, and then he tries to start it. <laughs> Idiot. That's not how the system works. Doesn't start. So anyway, he goes back in the house, has a cup of tea, and, and he sits like a, he keeps that eye on the time, and then an hour later, he goes back and tries it again. It doesn't start. He goes back inside, and he's doing some other bits and pieces, and sets the timer on his watch, um, and comes back out an hour later, and then tries to start it. So he got home after church and done it, and then on the hour, he's trying to start the motorbike all through the night. At 3 a.m., the motorbike started. 
Why? Because that, what's that? That's someone who says, I don't care how it works. I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the system is. I don't care. What's the bill? Make it half. I've got to do it my way. I'm going to position myself and live a miracle sort of life. Come on, wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be better than just getting on a treadmill and running till middle age, then falling off the back of the treadmill? I reckon it'd be better. Wouldn't it be better to live an adventure rather than just having a job? Wouldn't it be better raising an army rather than raising a family? I could just raise my kids like a family, but we don't. We raise them like an army. And we talk about how the government works, and we talk about how the the kingdom works, and we talk about money in the kingdom, and we talk about the stuff we preach that they, 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 that was weird what you said. What does it mean? Well, I want want my kids to be confident, and I want them to be powerful. Why? Because I'm not raising just a family. I'm raising raising warriors, people who are going to make a difference in an environment that I'll never get to visit. I'm never going to live in the world that they live in. I'm going to be dead and the world will be different, but they're going to be working in it. And I'm going to be four times more powerful than I am now because there's going to be four of them talking to crowds of people like this with their eyes a little bit too wide, spitting into the microphone. Come on, because we're here to change the world. We're not here to just... We're not here just to pay off our bills. Pay off your bills. Because otherwise you go to the debt collector and you don't, then you don't have the resources to change the world. But don't pay off the bills for bills' sake. Pay your mortgage, right? Yeah, totally. So that then the future generations that come from you have got more financial power than you have. Yeah, totally. Set up an inheritance for your children so that they can, they can go further than you ever went. But while you're doing it, come on, tie a handkerchief around a motorbike and see if you can make a start. Come up with an idea. Talk to the principal about Revolution Tour. Come to your school. Make it happen. Just make it happen. How? But the school's got this on. Hey, they're all rules. That's all the system. We're not doing the system. We're doing it. We're doing it our way. Aren't we doing it our way? Let's do it our way. Amen. Why do you close your eyes, bow your heads? Let's pray, and then we got time to finish with some songs. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that whenever we open the Bible, whenever we read it with faith, God, you speak to us. And Lord, we thank you. It's your word in us to transform us. Lord, I thank you that the voice of the Lord thunders. Lord God, and I pray that you'd thunder in our hearts tonight. There'd be a, a thunder that shakes off, Lord God, our complacency, that shakes off our limited mindset, that shakes off our small view of the world. Lord God, we'd suddenly realize that we are powerful, not money. That we're the, we're the people in charge of our world. And Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords, that you'd speak to every king in this place. Lord God, you'd call out from them, Lord God, the gifts that you place within them. You'd call out from them the power that you place within them. You'd reveal to them the call that's upon their life. Lord God, I thank you that there's not just architects in here. There's architects that will invent new ways for cities to work. There's not just engineers here, but there's engineers that are going to invent new ways for buildings to work. There's not just teachers here. There are people here who are going to raise a generation of people who know their God. There are not just business people here, but there are people who are going to raise millions and millions for the purposes of God. There's not just mums and dads here. There's not just good people here. There's powerful people in this room called to change the world. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Two things happen when you make a decision to follow Jesus. Number one, when you come to Jesus and you ask Him, He forgives you of your sin. 
And we don't, we don't need a show of hands to find out who's done this wrong thing or who's done that wrong thing. We know from the Bible that everybody has sinned. Everyone falls short of what God expects of us. Everyone is less awesome than God originally designed you to be. But when we come to Jesus, He forgives us our shortcomings. He washes us white as snow. And the Bible teaches us that He takes His righteousness and puts His righteousness on us. And He takes our sin off us and He puts it on Himself. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why He chose to. He chose to take your sin upon Himself and then He received the punishment, not to some, but for all of the sin of the world. Every person, all of their sin. Jesus took it upon Himself and He paid the penalty for that sin. Number one, when we, when we come to Jesus, He forgives us. We're guaranteed a place in heaven when we die. But you know, we're guaranteed a place in the kingdom of heaven now. We get a role to play outside of a system. From the moment you make a decision to follow Jesus until the day you die, you'll never work an ordinary day again. You might have an ordinary job. You might drive an ordinary car. You might live in an ordinary house in an ordinary neighborhood. But you are a world changer. You might raise ordinary looking kids, but everyone knows they're not going to be ordinary. They're going to be the powerful people God's called them to be just like you are. So maybe here you've never made a decision to align your life and, and, and declare your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Declare Him to be your Lord and ask Him to be your Savior. If you've never done that, in a moment, we're going to, I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer. And, and you can take the opportunity right where you're sitting to pray a prayer, inviting Jesus to, asking Jesus to forgive you, inviting Him to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but for whatever reason, you've walked away from God. Why don't you take this opportunity as well to recommit and rededicate your life? We're going to pray in one minute, but before we pray, if that's you, you're in either one of those groups. Why don't you just lift your hand? And when I see your hand, you can put it back down if you're saying, yeah, tonight I want to acknowledge Jesus. I want to ask Him to forgive my sin. I want to choose to follow Him. And we want to be part of His plan and His story in the world, either for the very first time or as a recommitment. Why don't you lift your hand right now? Uh, once I see the hand, then we'll pray. And then uh, we'll carry on with the rest of our service. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet. If you're wanting to make this decision, just make it real clear to me. And then uh, you can put your hand down. Awesome. Thanks, son. If there's anyone else, just shoot your hand up. And then we're going to pray. Awesome. Could we pray together? I'll pray a line of the prayer and then we'll all pray it out. That way we all stay in time in us. And uh, it'll be good. Let's pray this prayer and mean it from our hearts. Dear God. I thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you saw me even when I was in my mother's womb and you called me. I'm choosing today to follow you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just before we praise God, it would be awesome to just stand and pray together. Is that all right? Come on, so why don't you stand if you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to break out of the system. Why don't you lift your hands? And, and, and I, really, I really believe it. You make a decision like this tonight, you're saying, I'm going to choose a different way to live. I'm going to choose a different way to think. If that's you, just lift your hands. 
And I, I want us to pray together. Sometimes because I've got the microphone, my voice is louder, but I'd love to hear your voice. I'd have, love to hear you, for you to make a declaration that says, God, it's about you. It's about your purposes. It's about your call. Come on, let's pray together. God, we just thank you that you're here. Lord, I thank you that you're here. Lord, I pray for every person standing. Lord God, I pray. Lord God, that your word will go deep into their heart. Lord God, I thank you that the voice of the Lord thunders, that your voice thunders in this place. Lord God, it breaks the cedars of Lebanon. It breaks the strong things. And Lord God, I pray right now that you'd break us out. Lord God, break us out of our cultures. Break us out of the control of the enemy. Break us out of the patterns of this world. Lord God, allow us to live a life. Lord God, aligned to your purpose in allegiance to you. Lord God, faithful, faithful, faithful. Lord God, help us to be faithful in the call. Help us to be faithful in the kingdom. Help us to be faithful in your purposes. In Jesus' mighty name. Do you know, um, Jesus said you're in the world and you're not of the world. But St. Paul said it like this. He said, I in the New King James, it's translated like this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beseech you by the mercies of God. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A guy called J.B. Phillips, he's like a Scotsman theologian. Not everything he said is correct, but it was always poetic. He said, he translated like this, don't let the world crush you into its mold. Don't let the world crush you into its mold. You know, one of the things I say to myself all the time is I'm not here to be a New Zealander. I'm not here to just be a New Zealander, to be crushed into narrow-minded, small thinking, insecurity. Come on, if you're from a, from a Polynesian background, don't just be a Polynesian. Be a child of God. Because like, if you're born in New Zealand, but you're of the kingdom, I'm not a New Zealander. I'm a kingdom person. I've been sent here by God. You've been sent into your culture. You're not from it. Don't let it crush you into its mold. Celebrate it. Be part of it. Enjoy it. Eat the food, sing the songs, do the dancing. Like if there's punk rock music playing, I'll be dancing. All right? It's my thing. Right? I celebrate my culture, but I, I don't want to be crushed into it. Don't let the world crush you into mold. Just close your eyes, bay head. If you know that you've been crushed into a mold, and you can almost feel, I'm praying, I've been praying today that God would thunder, the voice of God would thunder and break things and break us out of them, limiting mindsets, limited, limited views of the world. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to lift both hands to heaven. And I just really believe the voice of God is going to thunder in this place. Right now, Jesus, I pray for each and every person who's feeling crushed into a mold. Lord God, I just thank you that within them is rising a deep dissatisfaction for the ordinary life. In them is rising a deep desire to see miracles, a deep desire to see the promised land, a deep desire to see walls fall, to see the dead raised, a deep desire to see kingdom established in new places, in new frontiers. Lord, I thank you that it's rising within them as new ideas and new insights.